Time. This is Coach Shaw with Coach for Christ uh, coming to you today with Religious Spirits Part 2. Um, forgive me ahead of time for my eyes maybe going back and forth. I'm having to set up a new camera. I still haven't moved all the way, so I'm working on that. But anyway, hopefully in a couple of weeks we'll be able to do this a little bit more official. And again, when me and Coach Shelby get back together and do some, maybe with Derek as well, uh, we can work on that. Um, anyway, Today we're going to get into the second part of Religious Spirits. We're out of Matthew 23. Um, for those who weren't able to listen last week, uh, the anchor link is on Facebook. Um, it's also on our sermons, uh, Coach for Christ uh, anchor page. Uh, the video I couldn't get to work out, so I, I wasn't able to upload that to Facebook as well. But if you missed uh, the first part, you need to go back and listen to it. It's a little bit long. I think it's about 50 minutes, but... It's really good information, and it kind of sets the tone for what we're talking about. And just to kind of go back, I'm going to read. Um, we went over Matthew 23, uh, verses 1 through 4 last week, um, and I'm going to uh, just kind of go over that again, just read it to you so that we can get into verse 5. Today we're going to go out of uh, Matthew 23, verses 5 through 12. This is still the beginnings, kind of the, the preamble, if you will, of Jesus and his talk about the Pharisees and scribes before he gets into the woes, and that'll be part 3 coming in next week. So um, just to recap from last week, Matthew 23, verses 1 through 4, this is Jesus, and it says in verse 1, Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses, meaning they have placed themselves in that seat of honor, that seat of authority uh, in the religious system. At this time, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were in charge of the Jewish religion in a way, and they have really changed it uh, in a lot of ways uh, from what God originally designed. And obviously, if you've read the Old Testament at all, you saw the Israelites do this throughout history. Um, the whole point, kind of to reiterate the point behind this whole um, uh, message series about religious spirits is seeing, you know, so many times we read the Old Testament and we read the New Testament, read the Bible, and we see what the Pharisees did. They ended up killing Jesus uh, over some of these things. And we're sitting there like, how stupid were they? Could they not see the scriptures? You know, last week we read some scriptures. There's a lot of prophecy, obviously, that came true um, that Jesus fulfilled when he was alive and after he died, obviously, and was raised. Um, but there's so much in that that they just couldn't see. They were so blinded because of their pride uh, their love of money, their love of stature, their place, their authority, uh, that they couldn't see what was staring them in the face. And so many of us, I know my, myself included in the past, especially when I was a younger Christian, I would read this stuff and like, well, how dumb were these guys? Like, how could they not see this? And the sad thing is most people who read these things and they skim through these parts, like in these woes of the Pharisees in chapter 23 and Matthew 23, and they sit there and think, well, that's so stupid that we would never do that. When I guarantee you 90% of the church would crucify Jesus again if he were to come back right now. Because, and, and the whole point of this religious spirit, and remember when we preach here at Coach for Christ, this is not a, this is not a Pharisaic thing where we are better, holier than thou. We do not think that by any means. Well, trust me, if, if there is another man that I, I know that's worse than me as far as not giving ourselves enough grace. Um, it'd be me, me, Coach Shelby. I know we, we discussed that quite a bit. Um, so I, I, wanna, I wanted to say that ahead of time, but you know, the whole point of this is when we say things, because none of us like to 
get convicted. And that's the whole point uh, in Hebrews where it talks about the double-edged sword because the Bible is the Bible is the double-edged sword. Jesus, the Word, is the double-edged sword. And there's two sides to it. It comes to convict us. It cuts us deep, and it hurts. All right? Those are those sayings that we know they're true, and we hate it so much. Last week we talked about when Stephen, right before he was martyred, how he told the uh, Pharisees and the Sanhedrin how they were the ones who killed Jesus, just like they, their fathers killed the prophets before, and, and so on and so forth. And it said that, that it cut them deep. They knew it. But even in that standpoint, that's the whole trick with Christians, is we have to get a hold of that cutting deep, knowing that conviction that hurts us inside because we know we did it. And then we have to take the other side of the sword and get that grace and that uh, hope and that, uh, that promise, that peace that is promised to us, that peace that passes all understanding. Um, so, and that's the whole point of being a Christian. First, we have to be convicted of it. Then we can gain the hope in the future and where we'll end up in heaven. Uh, if all you're doing as a Christian, if you say you're a Christian and you're just on the second edge of the sword, the hope, the peace, and all oh, life is great, that's not what the, the Bible does not talk about. That The Bible is literally written in two parts, Old and New Testament. And the first portion, the Old Testament, is basically prophecy of how we are wrong and how we need a Savior. So if you don't think you need a Savior, this podcast series is for you. You might have a religious spirit. And, you know, religious spirits, and like I said, there's a reason I'm doing this one because it's on my heart a lot where I feel like maybe I do that. And we all do it at times as humans. It's hard not to. And there's examples that we'll talk about. Um, now, uh, continuing in our recap, verse 3, Therefore, uh, we talked about in verse 2 where they had seated themselves in the, in the chair of Moses. Verse 3, Therefore, all that they tell you to do, do and observe. Jesus is telling them, do what they say. However, do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not do them. This is for those Christians, and this really compares to nowadays, where we have rules in our society and what we what we need to do as a Christian, I should say. All right, and uh, not we might hold we hold. And Pastor Kevin, this is great and timing and how this worked out. But Pastor, Pastor Kevin said this in church on Sunday, where uh, we will hold others, new believers more accountable for something we continue to do because they're a new believer because we can point out their sin. And it goes back to that verse with Jesus is taking out the plank out of your eye before you help with the splinter in your friends. Um, it's real easy. And, and, and if you don't, if you're not with me on that, then you're just denying this yourself because we can all see others and it's a lot easier for us to point out other sins than what we're doing ourselves. The Pharisees had no problem with this at all. Okay, and that's part of that religious spirit too. Okay, in verse 4, they tie up heavy burdens. This kind of continues the, the concept. They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much a finger. Okay, and this is just, you know, this, this is different stumbling blocks. Could be uh, religious law, Pharisaic law that they made up, um, you know, washing your hands before you eat, like back then. But we do this now with our, I talked about this last week, with our denominational beliefs. Okay, uh, a lot of people, when you ask them what kind of church they go to or what, who, what they are, they say Baptist, Church of Christ, Methodist. They don't say Christian first, okay? And that's what we, the, the blood of Jesus, what he did at the cross should be enough, all right? None of that other stuff matters. In Romans, Paul talks about that, and I'll get that scripture up next week, um, where we're not supposed to ha have stumbling blocks for other people who might eat or drink differently or 
you want to listen to music or go dancing or something like that, that in itself is not a bearing on our salvation, okay? And we shouldn't, we shouldn't force things that we believe in that don't have anything to do in the Bible. This is what Paul's talking about in Romans. If it's not in the Bible, we shouldn't impose that will on someone else just because that's what we believe. That's what the Pharisees did, and that's a religious spirit. That's that spirit coming in us of holier than thou. We know better, and this is what a real Christian would do. And we all have to check ourselves sometimes with that because we're, we're, we're all guilty of that, whether you want to admit it or not. Okay, uh, moving on, Matthew verse, uh, 23, verse 5. Okay, um, but they do all their deeds to be noticed by men, for they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen the tassels of their garments. Now, first and foremost, they do all their deeds to be noticed by men. Um, that, you know, there's one uh, uh, passage in here that, um, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about too, really. Um, but um, there's one main passage that we've all heard where they, where they love to be heard. The Pharisees loved to be heard. And those, these are for the people nowadays who are always trying to point out how Christian they are. Uh, I, no, I want to pray because I want to show you this, things like that. So again, we're trying to compare the religious spirit of the Pharisees to maybe some of our problems we do nowadays. Okay, And it's self-righteousness. This verse is talking about self-righteousness. But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men. We should not care about praying in public, how we dress, how we look to, to impress men. If we're trying to impress men, one, and men meaning the world, we're not going to impress anybody, number one. Uh, we're always going to let somebody down, uh, just, like we'll let, just like they'll let us down. Okay. Um, and in Matthew 6, uh, 1 and 4, this is about giving in verse 1. Uh, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. This is Jesus talking. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. And I, I don't know about you, but I know I'm guilty of this. Anytime I, I donate stuff to the church, to different people, I give. if I don't need something, I give it away. Um, if I see a homeless person on the street, uh, I'm not saying I do it every time, but a lot of the times I'll, I'll sit there and if I can... I'll buy them a hamburger or something like that. I don't just hand money over, but things like that. And you'd be lying to yourself. And I, I, I believe I'm a Christian. I've been born again, Holy Spirit filled. But there's a little bit that puffs up in you like, man, look at me. Look what I did. Or yeah, I'm doing And this is what Jesus is talking about here. When you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do. That's that religious spirit. Okay, and in verse 3, but when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand's doing so that your giving will be in secret and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So all we're trying to do is to serve God here. God sees what we've done. We don't need to show that off uh, to others, okay? And then uh, later in that chapter, there's another one about fasting because uh, we're going to get to um, the Pharisaic prayer at the very end of this that I read last week, um, and it just goes with this. So Matthew 6, 16 through 18 Whenever you fast, and this is Jesus talking again, whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. He's talking about the Pharisees. For they neglect their appearance so they will be noticed by men. Again, noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. All they're going to get is what they have on earth. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So... Going back into Matthew 23, verse 5, they do all their deeds to be noticed by men. 
Check yourself if you do things, the good things. Do you, you know, we have food pantry every Thursday. Um, this would be an example. And I'm going to point out, I have not helped one time with the food pantry. We had football, and uh, quite frankly, I've been busy. I, I have all kinds of excuses. I have not helped one time with the food pantry at our church. Okay, I would say I had to work a lot of times, but other times I forget about it, things like that. But there are plenty of people who do that. All right, It would be very pharisaic of me, religious of me, if I did that and posted it. And I'm not saying everyone who does this or posts it on Facebook is like, hey, look at me, look at me. That, that's not what I believe. What I'm saying is that's an example that popped up in my head. If you do that and then try to make a show of it, like, oh, look how spiritual, look how Christian, look how caring I am, God doesn't like that. Okay, And I'm not, I'm not pretending to know that someone's done that at our church. That's not what I'm after here. Okay, The point is that's an example of that. Okay, they want it. So, do you just ask a question? Do you want your? Do you want people to notice you? Do you want people to notice your walk? Uh, there's lots of times as Christians we want to feel. We look at other people and we're like, "Well, I'm more religious than them. Uh, more relig- I'm. I, I've never been as bad as them. Things like that. We want people to um, notice us, to like us for those reasons, and. that's religious, that's that evil spirit that we have when all we should care about is what God our Father cares about us, okay? Um, And and the last part of this, and I'm just going to be real quick about it, but the last part of this, uh, verse verse 5, for they brought in their phylacteries and lengthened the tassels of their garments. Now just real quick, the tassels on their garments is written in the Old Testament, what they were supposed to have on there, uh, people were supposed to have tassels on their garments, okay, on their tunics that they wore. Um, but the Pharisees, they lengthened them to make them look more religious. Their stuff cost more, okay? They had nice-looking stuff. Um, I, I love going to our church. We're all, we're, we just show up, and we're there. Some people, uh, I don't know what Sunday best means anymore, you know, as far as dress goes. I just wear jeans and a shirt, and I love it, you know. And I see so much on TV, those people in a three-piece suit preaching, and everyone else is in their suit. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with that if your heart's right with God, but... If that's the only time you do that, if that's, you know, if if you look down on those who don't have a three-piece suit on or their best dress, that's religious. That's that Pharisaic deal. And on this phylacteries, if you don't know what that is, okay, this goes back to mine and Coach Shelby. We did a, a podcast a few weeks ago uh, about a Deuteronomy uh, 6, all right, about the greatest commandment. Um, and that, and we'll, we're going to talk about that here in a second, but these phylacteries were... were um, Things that they would wear on their head, and I'm going to get into why they did that when I read the verse. Um, but I'm going to show you a picture right quick, all right, in my study Bible. If you can see that, that's that's a sorry, that's a phylactery. Okay, what they did was they put these uh, like wooden boxes on their forehead, strapped them in. It had different verses on them. Usually the the Shema, the uh, Deuteronomy six five, it was uh, in in there. I think there were four verses total. Um, but I'm going to read that part and hear where it talks about it, okay? Uh, Deuteronomy 6, verse 5 through 8, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And I'm just going to stop there with that. That's the Shema, that's called the Shema, and it's the greatest commandment. Jesus reiterates that in, in the Gospels as well, as well as adding the second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, if we're not loving our God with all our heart, all our soul, with all our might, if we're not doing what this is saying, you know, how Christian are you? That's all I'm going to say. I'm not, and I, I fail every day. I'm not saying we're perfect at it because I sure as heck am not. And Coach Shelby will get me for saying heck um, as a cuss word, so I'm sorry for that. 
But in verse 6, these words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk on them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. So all the time, right? I want to point out in verse 6, it says these words, which are commandments, are Bible reading, which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. Okay? Verse 8, it says you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. Okay? These phylacteries... The, the Pharisees took this very literal, okay? And I wanted to point this out where in verse 6, these words I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. No one was sitting there tattooing the Shema on their heart, on their chest. They couldn't literally put it on their heart anyway, right? It'd be open heart surgery. But in verse 8, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and shall be as frontals on your forehead. Now, obviously the Pharisees, they took this very literal Okay, in the sense that they needed to have this thing on their forehead or on their arm. And you could look this up. It's, it's a phylactery. This is uh, in uh, it's the last part of 23, verse 5. <clears throat> and I'm just pointing out here because you saw the picture of this. I don't think, I could be wrong here, but just like it's saying, I will command you today, these shall be on your heart, not meaning literally, you shall bind them as on your hand and on, as a frontal on your forehead, to me, and the, well, I'm just going to say it. To me, that is just like having a prayer bead holding a cross. You need something else as opposed to what Jesus did. Okay? And I understand this is an Old Testament uh, thing here, all right? But this word from God, you shall bind them on your hand and those frontals on your forehead, probably wasn't meant literally. Okay? But this is the way the Pharisees took it. And this is an example of a stumbling block where they did this, and like I said in verse 5, they broadened their phylacteries and lengthened the tassels of their garments. So they made their phylacteries bigger. They made the, the uh, strap that they had or the strap on their arm bigger, more, nicer leather, things like that. Okay, And what it does is those weaker, poorer believers, they see this and, well, I'll never be as holy as them. It was a show. It's still a show. Okay, Now, I'm not saying you can't, Hold your Bible, for instance. But the thing is, I don't, I don't need to hold my Bible to uh, be religious, to be able to pray to God through Jesus. I, I shouldn't, you shouldn't need something like that. Now, sh I think it, it doesn't literally mean this. I think it means just like you shall have these on your heart. Uh, we shall bind them here. They shall be on our mind, okay? And that's what I think it's after here. But that's another example of a stumbling block. If you can look at it that way, I have this, you don't have this. You're not as Christian as me. You're not as religious as me. Okay? And now, I'm sorry about taking so long on that. Moving to verse 6. I said, we'll get through this quick, I hope. Matthew uh, 23, 6. They love the place of honor at banquets. This is still Jesus talking about the Pharisees. They love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues. Okay? Now, again, kind of going back to that self-religious thing. They like the honor, the prestige, the the purpose, the position, okay? They like being important. They like being the most religious, things like that, okay? Uh, and I think it's funny because there's a parable here. In verse 6, they say they love the place of honor at banquets, okay? When they're given to a banquet, if a Pharisee was invited to a banquet and they weren't placed in the seat of honor, they might have just up and left. Like, you not know who I am, okay? And in Luke 14, verses 7 through 11, this is what people should do when they're invited to a banquet, things like that. Verse 7, and he began speaking a parable. This is a parable of the guests. 
to the invited guest when he noticed how they had been picking out the places of honor at the table, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this man. And then in disgrace, you proceed to occupy the last place. But when you're invited, go and recline at the last place so that when the one who has invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher, but then you will have an honor in the sight of all who are at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This really contrasts with the last verse we're going to go over today in verse 12. This is the kind of mindset we should have when we're invited somewhere. We're not supposed to look at ourselves as we're, we're holier than thou, we're better than all these people. Okay, And sometimes we get in that process as humans, as Christians, where we want that seat of honor. We want to be noticed. We want the award. We want, hey, let me speak. You know, I've seen a bunch of, lately, it's, it's crazy how many, uh, you know, in the middle of, of service, and I've seen this not just with ours, but with others online and things, people are, they want to say their piece. And, you know, I just, I, I keep thinking back, I think it's a verse in uh, Timothy, um, where it talks about the women being out of place and not talking in church, not because they don't have a place to talk, but because they're interrupting the service. Okay, so when people are they're trying to say their piece and get a get a part in there, uh, as opposed to the preacher, we need to let the preacher do his job and and finish. Okay, and that, I'm sorry, got off on a tangent there, but this is what guests should be like. Okay, the Pharisees were not like that. They they wanted the place of honor, and they'd go sit at the honor place, and then if a if the wedding, um, uh, I'm sorry, if the uh, the 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 person running the wedding said, well, no, there's someone else more distinguished than you, and you got embarrassed and moved back. They didn't want that, okay? It was all about pride. It was all about outer appearance to them, not what that their relationship was like with God, okay? Um, in verse 7, and we're moving on to verse 7, uh, and respectful greetings in the marketplaces and being called a rabbi by men. Okay, so again, more man-made things that they want, that attention, uh, that... Um, uh, and, and again, we, how do we compare this to, to nowadays? Do we not like being known? Do we not like, like in the, what we're saying here in verse 7, respectful greetings in the marketplace. When we run into someone at Walmart, we're, not, we're just saying hi, whatever. But if you run into someone, you see someone else, and they're talking like, oh, you know, it, they, my point is this. I'm sorry, I'm kind of going everywhere. We don't really like or care to be known as a Christian until we see someone else honoring somebody and how religious they are, how spiritual they are, how faithful they've been, okay? Uh, and then we're, we start getting puffed up like, well, what about me? That person just became a Christian last week. That's just an example that comes to my mind where we 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 don't really care about the things that are important. We don't care um, about... Honoring God, we're worried about our position and what that person thinks of me, okay? And in this case, the Pharisees wanted respectful greetings in the marketplaces. They wanted to be called a rabbi by men. They wanted to be held to a high esteem. And again, all these verses we're talking about by men. When we talk about men in the Bible, we're talking about the world, men and women, okay? And being held in esteem and up on a pedestal to these people, okay? And we're not supposed to long for that. That's haughty. That's prideful. All right. In Mark 12, verses 38 through 40, he says, uh, in his teachings, he was saying, <coughs> excuse me, beware the scribes who like to walk around in long robes 
and like respectful greetings in the marketplaces, chief seats in the synagogues, and places of honor at banquets, who devour widows' houses and for appearance sake offer long prayers, there will receive greater condemnation. Okay, these people, and, and if, you've read, if you've read the Bible, those who are leaders, those who are pastors, have a, a much bigger responsibility uh, with pastoring a flock, a church. Um, so, you know, we, I talked about this last week. There's parts, there's times where I don't feel comfortable doing this right here, especially by myself, because I, I sit there like, who am I to do this? Who am I to teach about something? And, and all I'm doing is, is I'm, as I'm trying to preach about something on my heart, uh, using the Holy Spirit, letting the Holy Spirit guide me, uh, it's not a holier-than-thou thing, but I know that, that getting this out there, and this is a prayer I make every time in the, before I start is, Lord, let anything I say that's not according to your will fall on deaf ears because I don't. Oh, it, it's kind of scary when you read the scriptures about being responsible for that. And I'm responsible in a way for anyone listening to this and leading them astray, and that's not what I'm after here. Um, I coupled the next uh, three verses together, verses 8 through 10, um, because they all kind of go together. Um, so in verses 8 through 10, but do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, and you are all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called masters, for one is your master, that is Christ. Okay, These all kind of go together. This, again, man-made titles. Now we talk about rabbi. Okay, There's only one. Jesus was the, the rabbi, the teacher. Okay. Father, our Father in heaven, we're not supposed to call anyone else Father. Uh, we have rabbis in the world nowadays. We have fathers we call Father. Uh, uh, now, this isn't talking about your Father on earth, okay? You're supposed to honor your Father. We're talking about calling someone Father who's not your dad, your paternal Father, okay? Anyone else, because God is our Father, all right? Um, that would be blaspheming the Father. Now, we can get into this, but the Catholic Church is very famous for calling the Pope Father, Okay? And we're not supposed to do that. That's the whole point behind this. Okay, and then the last one, don't be called lead, uh, masters, for only one is your master. That is Christ. Again, back in these days when slavery was still around, it's not talking about not calling a master of slave, a slaveholder. This is talking about a spiritual master, as in the Pharisees, the Sadducees. They loved being said this. It's like being called Lord, things like that. We should not long for those titles that separate us from others. We should want to be... Uh, as brothers, as Jesus talks about, we are all the church. We are all the church. Uh, and it's said in the scripture, we're, when we get to heaven, we're not, uh, I'm sorry, we're not uh, husband and wife. Uh, there's not going to be a king above us and we're a servant. We're all equal in God's eyes, okay? So we, we shouldn't esteem ourselves above others, all right? Um, how does this compare to us? How does this compare to us with the church? Do we not long to be uh, a prominent position. Some of us want to be in a prominent position in the church. Uh, we all like titles. When someone asks you, um, what you do for a living? Do you just say, like for me, do I say I'm a coach? Now in my former life, well, I was a defensive coordinator, nearly an AD. I, I got to be kind of important, you know, things like that. Now it's just, I'm just a coach. You know, I just teach. I just coach. Uh, just a football coach. I'm not important. You know, I'm just a cog in the machine kind of. Uh, and that's what we should strive to do. Now, am I saying that I don't get haughty at times? Yeah, I do. I got to ask God for forgiveness for that. And again, this is why this is on my heart because I know I am guilty of some of these things, just like some of you are. 
Okay, uh, in church, for instance, I gave just a, a minute ago during the sermon. Some of us want, you know, Kev, there. I, I can't tell you how many times Ke- Pastor Kevin is talking up there, and man, I want to say my part in this because that's such a good topic. I remember this about my walk, my testimony, all that stuff. And I just, I, you got to sit there. That's not your place. It's his place to pastor the church. Uh, my testimony will reach who God wants it to reach. It, it's not about our haughtiness, our pride, and, and I want, man, I want to say my part and. Let me tell you, because I can teach that better than him, or I can—I have a better way of saying that. That's not our place, okay? We're all different parts of the church, and we have to respect our part and not long and not covet those other positions. Um, in Isaiah 12, 2, I'm sorry, 2, 12, uh, for the Lord of hosts will have a day of reckoning against everyone who is proud and lofty, everyone who is lifted up, that he may be abased, okay? If you exalt yourself here on earth, you will be humbled Later on, and uh, trust me, I'm not, um, this is not a holier-than-thou thing. Uh, that, again, this is why I am on this topic right now, because I need to work on that. Lord, I pray for humility every day, um, and that was one of the things that I know God has worked out of me in a way, um, but it's not out yet, okay? I'm still plenty arrogant, and I'm still proud and lofty at times, and I need to work on that. Um, sorry, I saw a car go by. Uh, Romans 12.3, go, uh, going again with, uh, continuing with verses 8 through 10. Romans 12.3 and 6, uh, For through grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individual members one or another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. Okay, not all of us are called to be a pastor. Not all of us are called to be the healer. Not all of us are called uh, to speak in tongues. You know, that's like one of the things when uh, talking with Coach Shelby early in my walk, I'm like, man, I, I, you know, am I less spiritual? Am I less faithful because I'm not, I don't have that gift? That's for God to decide. Okay, and we don't need to try to usurp that power. You know, when me and Coach Shelby were doing our, our marriage uh, series, we're talking about women and, and men usurping the other's role, uh, uh, falling below or usurping the role, uh, it's the same in the church. We're not supposed to usurp someone's position there. We're not supposed to usurp. You, we are not supposed to covet Sharon's position as the worship leader. We're not supposed to covet Kevin's uh, position as um, the pastor. Um, there's different roles, and, and just like in Romans 12, it talks about, Paul talks about this, we have different roles, and we need to accept our role in the gift God's given us, and if we're a toe in the body of the church, that's what we are, is a toe, okay? We're not all going to be the head, the arm, things like that. Um, and then lastly, to kind of end all this, uh, because because in verses in Matthew 23, verses 8 through 10, all the Pharisees were so longing to have power, position, title, Okay, and in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth. Now, it's talking about wealth, money, and I think mammon is the word in the King James. But I want you to think about that. We can't serve two masters, okay? The Pharisees were serving themselves, money, uh, their position, their title, all that wrapped together in one. And then on the other hand, you had Jesus, Okay. You can't serve both, all right? And that's why you see uh, some of those Pharisees. I, I think it's a real good example, like uh, Nicodemus in the that show, The Chosen. 
that crowdsourced show. Um, and I'm not saying it's gospel because it's a show, all right? But it shows him and his walk and his strain that he wants to follow Jesus, but he can't give up his Pharisaic life. His, his, he has more money, wealth, prestige, things like that. He just can't let go of it. And uh, like Matthew 6, 24 says, you can't serve both. Okay, and the Pharisees were, that's why the Pharisees were so strict within themselves. It wasn't so much that they didn't want Jesus to be the Messiah. It's that if he was the Messiah, it means that their position, their title, they were no longer lofted up. They were no longer on a pedestal in society. And they did anything they could to stay in that pedestal. And they did by killing Jesus. Okay, so that we have to be real careful. Now, how, how do we kill Jesus nowadays? We're not killing him. Literally crucifying to the cross. Uh, not literally like the Romans did, like the Pharisees ended up doing. Uh, we do other things by killing Jesus, okay? Jesus is the Word of God. If you don't understand that, read John 1, the whole chapter. Uh, the Word was God, the Word was with God, the Word was there at the beginning. This is Jesus. Jesus has been around long before he was born on earth, uh, and he'll continue to be. He's with God, he was God. Now, he is the Word. The Word is the Bible. We kill his Word. Uh, every time it's translated, every time it is changed in our heart, uh, when we create God, and I want you to you know, think about this, we're serving two masters, we say we're Christians, we say we're serving God, are we serving the God of our Bible? Are we serving that God, or are we serving the God of our heart, the God that allows us to be in our sin and feel okay with it? Um, are we serving that God? Or are we serving the, the true God, okay? Uh, and we say, well, we're not killing him like the Pharisees did. Well, we're killing his word by it when we change it. And we don't have to be a literal translator and change it into a different version or things like that. We change it by not obeying it, by saying, well, that, you know, how many times have you heard someone say, well, that was written 2,000 years ago. It didn't apply the same way. God hasn't changed. We changed, okay? God hadn't changed. We changed. God, it's not like God wrote this. It's not like Jesus 2,000 years ago wrote all this, had it all bundled up, uh, and, oh, well, he didn't think about, you know, 2,000 years in the future, something changing. He didn't think about, well, it's a lot more common to have sex now outside of marriage. He didn't change. We changed. Our society changed. Look around. Look outside. Okay? And if you don't read this, if you're not reading it, then everything outside nowadays is scaring you, and you don't know what's going to happen. And it's really not, really not a surprise to the rest of us. <clears throat> now, moving on, i got to get off of that. There's so much you can do with that, uh, us killing the Word, us um, plagiarizing the Bible left and right. And we do it every day, every time we don't trust God, every time we sin. Um, moving on to Matthew 23, 11, But the greatest among you shall be your servant. So he, he shifts here um, where he's, he's saying how the Pharisees are selfish. They want everything. They want their titles, their high places, their uh, high seats, things like that. And he shifts here and he's saying, but the greatest among you will be your servant. Okay, and this is what Jesus exemplified in his uh, ministry is being a servant leader. Okay, and that's what we should all strive to be as a servant, not a leader, not someone who's exalted and I'm a preacher. You know, that's what, you know, you can tell if you go to our church, Pastor Kevin is not the type he's trying to exalt himself. He's just doing what God has called him to do. Okay, same thing with Coach Shelby and our Coach for Christ, our ministry He's not trying to exalt so we don't make a dime off of this stuff. We do it because God has called us to do it. That is our purpose here in this season, at least in my life. I've been called to do this, and I've been called to this exact message 
And yeah, a lot of it is for me. All of it's for me. Some of it's for you out there that's listening, okay? Um, so, but the greatest among you will be your servant. How does this compare to us today? Do we all want to be servants? Do we all want to exemplify Christ's lifestyle? I mean, just think about this right quick before I get into this. How do we live our life compared to Moses, um, Isaiah, Ezekiel, those prophets that had nothing almost um, but what they had on their backs? Think about Jesus and the prophets. He says he's very clearly, uh, he doesn't even, the Son of Man doesn't have a house to lay his head, you know, a bed to lay his head on. The disciples were told to go from town to town, sleeping at some, basically having a sleepover every time, taking one, maybe two pairs of clothes. That's how they lived. That's what Jesus called them to do. And we sit here and talk about that. <laughs> Just think about our society. We compare the think about the disciples, how they lived. Very poor, uh, basically nomads, going from house to house, taking what they can get so that they could uh, do what they needed to do to accomplish. And then compare that with the Pharisees who had very nice clothes, very nice uh, houses, very wealthy. Um, and then think about today. Think about today, our church leaders today, and I'm not talking about our church leader, but I'm talking about 90% of the churches, 90% of the preachers. And I'm, you know, I said this last week, um, the prophets, Jesus, the disciples, they were all taught by God. They weren't taught in rabbi school. They weren't taught in the synagogue. Uh, sure, they had probably had menial class, Sunday school class. I think all Jews had to do that, obviously. But they weren't taught by the Pharisees how to be a preacher, how to preach, how to evangelize, okay? Some of the best preachers nowadays don't get any recognition because they are taught by the Holy Spirit and not by seminary school. Now, that's not knocking seminary school. That's not what I'm saying, um, I'm not. I'm definitely not doing that because there's plenty out there. I know. I listen to some that have been to seminary school, and you can tell they're being taught daily by the Holy Spirit. Their sermons come from the Holy Spirit, come from God. But those who don't, um, you know, that's that's a whole other issue. Okay. Um, so again, comparing to today, are we being servants? Do we like to be servants, or do we like to be in charge and lofty? Okay. And uh, in Matthew 20 is a little uh, short, um, well, it's kind of short. It's eight verses. Y'all know the story about Zebedee, uh, the sons of Ze- uh, James and John, sons of thunder, their mom. Okay, in verse 20, the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus and her sons, bowing down, making a request of him. And he said to her, what do you wish? And she said to him, command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit on one your right and one on your left. Okay, now just think about that concept. By, there are 12 disciples. Okay, she wants her two sons exalted above the other ten. Just imagine what the other ten were thinking. You know, um, kind of a backstab deal. Like, oh, well, why do you get more glory than us? Okay, she's asking them to exalt them up. All right? And this is how Jesus answers. You do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And he's talking about being crucified, dying, being persecuted. And they said, we are able. And he said, and he responded, my cup you shall drink, but to sit on my right and my left. And he's talking, my cup you shall drink because they were persecuted. They were eventually killed later as well. But to sit on my right and on my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those to whom it has been prepared by my father. And hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers. I mean, why wouldn't they be? But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great men exercised authority over them. 
It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So I ask you, when we compare this to nowadays, to your life, to your walk, and this is talking to me as well, do you long to serve or do you long to be served? Okay, The Pharisees liked to be served. Now I'm not saying we don't all want to be served. We're humans, we want that. But are you striving to be served or to serve? And that tells you whether you're on the Pharisaic side or the disciples, Jesus side, God side. Okay. Uh, lastly, verse 12, we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, Matthew 23, 12. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. We talked about that earlier, I think, in verse 6. Um, and we're going to talk in, in a minute in Luke 18, the Pharisaic prayer. We did this last week uh, because I think it just exemplifies this verse so much. If you have not in your walk been humbled by God, it's coming. If you exalt yourself to a point, and I did it, I did it for many years. I was stri- I, I, I wish sometimes I had some ex-coaches that I worked with on here before I came to Paradise. You talk about exalting yourself above others, thinking you're better than them, you're smarter than them, you're, man, I deserve this, I deserve that. I was that. I was a Pharisaic. Football coach, there's no doubt in my mind. And those who are listening that knew me back then knows what I'm talking about. Um, And I got humbled big time. And God did it for a purpose, and it hurts. It's part of those trials, those tribulations we go through. It hurt, but it got me to the point where I understood my role, my place, what I needed to focus on. Now, am I perfect? No, God's still working on me. He's going to do that. I'm never going to be as humble as I can be until I die. The day I die, I'll be the most humble then that I can possibly be. Because it's never, it, we, all have our, we all have our things when you're saved. And I know you all know what I'm talking about. Some things go away quick. Some stay, and God's working on it. And there's a purpose for it. And we shouldn't frown and fret about it. It's part of it, and it's part of our walk. Okay? Um, and before I read this verse about being humbled uh, and those who exalt themselves, I want to ask you a question. Which one do you pray like? Okay, which one do you pray like? Okay, Luke 18, 9 through 14. And he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous, again, man-made, and viewed others with contempt. Raise your hand if you've ever done that. I pray I don't do that anymore, but I probably still do. Verse 10, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. Again, what about the guy? <laughs> guy you're the tax collector sitting there praying in this Pharisee's man. Thank God I'm not like that guy. Like, wow, how do you get that? You ever had that done to you in church? And the Pharisee continues in his prayer. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing, so so I'm just going to reiterate, the Pharisee is telling God about all this good stuff he does. Raise your hand if you've ever done that. I can tell you the first time I went to U-Turn and Pastor Kevin's talking about everyone in their past and some of the stuff that the people there have done. And I said this before, well, I'm sitting around like, man, I'm way holier than a bunch of these guys. I've never been drunk in my life, you know, much less gone to jail or done anything like that. And I just sat there and Pastor, it was the very first time I went and I've never told him this. But he was talking about a uh, 
um, a school that him and I think some other churches or ministries had bought to repurpose it into a uh, uh, second chance home for people who could not um, gain parole. And and he said it right when I was thinking it. Well, like they're in jail, like you know they did something to stay there. And he said, if you think that they should still be in jail, rotten in jail after they've done their time, then you don't believe in the redeeming power of Jesus Christ. And I'll never forget that he said that. And uh, it's like, boom. Like, yeah, you're right. Absolutely right. And I'm sitting here my whole life. I'm, about, I'm getting a little water-eyed because I was such an idiot back then. I exalted myself above others because I hadn't been to jail, because I haven't been drunk before. I didn't... Um, beat up my wife, I didn't cheat on her, I didn't, you know, all this stuff that we can exalt ourselves for, and you sit there, and, and when when you become saved, truly saved, and Holy Spirit filled, you realize you're just as unworthy as everyone else on this earth, there's no one higher, lower, there's nothing like that, we're all dirty, we're all unworthy of the glory of God, and if it wasn't for what Jesus did for us on the cross, we'd all be in hell, and there's no way around that. And so thank God that my sins and my self-righteousness will be blotted out. You talk about, you know, why I do this particular topic. Here's why, okay? Because this one, this this was me. I was a Pharisee. I was holier than thou. Uh, without even, you talk about not going to church in like 10 years. Holier than thou, that was me. Well, I know God. We got a deal, right? We got it all figured out. Yeah, right. Okay, Pharisees thought they had it figured out too. Okay, moving on to the tax collector. So the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift his eyes up to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Jesus says, I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Okay. So I ask you, which one do you pray like? And if you're like me and you say in between, well, I don't, I don't talk bad about people, but do you sit there and come to God in prayer. And I do this every once in a while, but I don't do it all the time. But I come to God in prayer, and God, please forgive me. I am worthless. I am, please be merciful on me, because I, without you, I just can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. Or if you're not, if that's not your standpoint, if that's not your mindset, then we're in the middle somewhere. And if you're familiar with the Bible, you know what being lukewarm what God will do to you. He'll spit you out. Um, hopefully no one listening to this ever prays like the Pharisees. Well, God, you know, I probably used to 10 years ago. Thank God I'm not like that person. Thank God you saved me from that life, God. You'll be humbled. If you exalt yourself at all in any aspect of life, you will be humbled. Okay? Um, I hope... And I know this ended up running a little bit, but we got through verse 12. I hope you're getting something out of this. I hope you understand the process of this. Is I'm trying, people don't understand our church nowadays, the church of America, the Christian church of the world, is much more Pharisaic, is much more like the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, than Jesus. Our Bibles, the things we do, the things we exalt, ourselves, our doctrine, our denominations. There's so much that we do that is much more like the Pharisees than like Jesus, and we don't see it. We don't understand it. Um, 
And guess what? The Pharisees didn't see it either, and they killed the Son of God. They killed him because they couldn't see the problems in their own heart because they were so hard-hearted about it. Now, I'm not saying you're not saved and you have a hard heart, but you might be hard-hearted about some things still, okay? And you need to check yourself. I mean, every verse I'm reading here, it hits me. I need to be humbled more than I've been. I've been humbled a lot. I've had, you talk about some life changes, and I sit there and think about how bad it is, and you get the woe is me thing going on. And then you hear about someone else's walk about a similar situation that's 10 times worse than yours. And you're like, boy, thank God for that. Thank God that I'm an idiot. And I need to be humbled more. I need to be humbled more to the point that, okay, God, this could have been a lot worse for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. So I hope you're getting something out of this. I hope you're understanding the concept behind it. Uh, next week, I'm going to get into the uh, eight. There's eight. There's seven woes, but there's one more about the blind leading the blind kind of deal. And I'd just like to say that, that there's eight of them. So we're going to try to get into those. I may have to break it up. I don't know. I'm really enjoying doing this. I'm having fun with it. I hope y'all are enjoying it. I hope the video works this time. Anyway, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish this up in a prayer, and I will see y'all next time, all right? Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise you, God, and we thank you, God. I, I just can't imagine this world without you. I can't imagine trying to do anything without your guidance, uh, without your leadership, Lord, without Jesus. And thank you, God, for what you've done for us at the cross. Um, we have so much religious spirits in our society nowadays. We have so much. Even, you know, we can sit there and talk about people who are atheists, who are non-believers. But, Lord, the Christian church, we have to change our mindset. We have to stop thinking we have it figured out. We need to get in the Word. We need to stop listening to a preacher only. Again, I said this last week, listening to a preacher is good, but we can't rely on that preacher, that devotional we do once a day that takes us 10 minutes. We have to be in the Word. Deuteronomy 6, 5, the Shema. We are to uh, love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We are supposed to live with these words on our heart daily, nightly, when we're asleep, when we get up, when we go to bed, it's an all-the-time thing. We're supposed to teach these things to our children. If we're not doing that, we are being religious and we are changing the deal that you've commanded us to do. You have commanded these things for us to do. And if we don't do them, we are rejecting you. We are being Pharisees if we don't do these things, Lord. So please put it on our heart. Continue to, to push us. Convict us, Lord. We have to get to the point where we're done getting hurt, our feelings getting hurt over our sin getting called out. We have to be convicted and be okay with it. We have to welcome the conviction. We have to welcome the trials, the welcome the tribulations, because then we know we're growing closer to you, Lord. We have to welcome them. And like James 1, 2, and 3, we have to rejoice in knowing that we will grow in our patience, Lord. So, Lord, please help us with that. Help us to learn. Help us to open our Bibles and read daily. Daily, all day, should be on our hearts. First Thessalonians, we should pray without ceasing. I think it's 517. Pray without ceasing. It's an all-day thing. It's an all-the-time thing, Lord. We have to do it. Please help us, push us, change our heart so that we can do what is necessary to end up in the kingdom with you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everyone have a good day. Love y'all. God bless.